following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Did you ever see that one? No, that's a good story, though. Damn, that's scary. Uh So I have something very serious, very close to my heart that I'm going to need to confess to get off my chest today. Yeah, it's a a safe space. Go ahead. Okay. All right. That that makes me feel better. Um, God, God, this is tough. Uh, This morning when I woke up, one of my eyebrows was laying on the pillow next to me and it made me realize I just can't hide anymore I can't keep this secret from you and from the audience Micah my dear friend this glorious robust mane of hair that I've been so proud of all these years is not but a wig Because I'm bald. I regret to inform you and our dear listeners that I suffer from alopecia. Oh, thank God, dude. I thought you were going to say AIDS because we shared a sandwich about a week ago. And all those needles. Whoa. (laughs) God damn. Oh, and the butt stuff. Can't wait to see it. Oh, so much butt stuff. Not even get started on that. Hey, you know what, Greg? You look good. You look great. Uh, Now I hear Jim Carrey has left Hollywood, so I can't wait to see you in Sonic the Hedgehog Part 3. Oh, you son of a bitch. Come here, you motherfucker. Uh Oh, (laughs) what are you going to do about it? Oh, wow. Just slap the shit out of me. That's a hate crime. <laughs> Keep Dr. Robotnik's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to. I will. <laughs> okay. Hey, do you remember that time that Will Smith and Chris Rock did that exact same thing uh, last week? Jada, I love you. Uh, nope. You're such a false asshole. I can't even be Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Wow, dude. Nah, me neither, actually. Nah, no, no, no. Don't nobody talk to my man like that. You better get your ass out of my house. You fucking bitch! Goodbye. That was a that was a nice one. Okay. Hey, hey, hey! You know what though? Hey. We're damn that scary. My name is Damn That Scary. I'm coming out of Damn That Scary. I'm joined alongside the handsome face, Damn That Scary, and he's over there in Damn That Scary. And yes, of course, we are so topical and so good at this. Twitter would have a field day with this shit. And I'm known as such. This beat, you can't touch. Ah. Greg, it is so nice to see you on the camera. I wish we were together in person. Of course, we did not have an episode last week. Greg was on vacation here in Nevada visiting me. The lost week. That week, I think, shaved about two to three years off my life. Yeah, we were pretty much in a blackout the entire time. I don't remember any of it. It turns out, if any of you ever spend a, a week in Reno, be really careful on the plane ride home because your ass is just really going to hurt. I can't explain it. Yeah, and now I have alopecia. Thanks. Pause, <laughs> asshole! Hey, did you catch anything good this week, buddy? No. Well, hey, I did watch a couple movies this past week. I watched Beetlejuice in the tub. 
and Demon Knight in the tub. What a coincidence. I also did those same two things. Um, were we in the same tub? We were in the same tub. There were two dogs in the tub. Sweet. It has been well documented on our podcast that Greg's office is now his bathtub. He turned his bathtub into his work environment, but he does the editing for the show on there, and he also prepares for a hard day's work from the tub. My general philosophy is anything I can do from a seated position in front of a computer, I could also do while sitting in a bathtub. And I got to say, it's worked out fucking great so far. Your skin has never looked better. I think it was four nights in a row we spent like four hours each in the tub, which I don't think is healthy. He asked me to get out, and uh, it was a struggle. That was that was hard. Uh, the parks department had to come in and sedate me. And that's how I ended up with alopecia. <laughs> I killed one of the neighborhood kids like Harambe. Just <laughs> tore him the fucking hat. You don't take me out of the tub. <laughs> oh, okay. So, of course, everybody has seen Beetlejuice. Everybody knows Beetlejuice. Yes, mm-hmm. we could quote it up and down. But for our listeners, I implore you, watch Beetlejuice again and just focus on every single scene to the fine details. It is probably the most perfect movie. You kind of discover something new every time you watch it, man. It's kind of like The Shining, how you always discover something yeah, new. Yeah, I've, I've seen it dozens of times over the course of my life. I used to have a VHS of it when I was a kid. We used to watch it constantly. This last time we, uh, when we were you know, kindly exchanging handjobs and watching it in the tub, mm-hmm. uh, I did take a moment to look at the screen, and I did notice you know, some things that I'd never actually seen before. Now we just bring you up and eat. Not far or anything. You up and swamp. Come on down, Al. Chew on the dog. I thought it was really weird that Jeffrey Jones was giving that little kid those candies that made them really sleepy. Oh! The part where CPS comes in and takes Jeffrey Jones away in handcuffs. <laughs> oh! I thought it was really weird that they cut out that one part where Winona Ryder was actually acting well. Oh! <laughs> or the part where she was shoplifting from the general store in that small town. Oh! The part where they caught Otho uh, erotically asphyxiating himself in the closet. Oh! It is so weird, too. I don't remember that time Alec Baldwin killing that guy on screen. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where Gina Davis just kept chewing gum through the whole thing because her favorite food is gum, and she always has gum in her mouth. Oh, she's got big gums. That's what I'm getting at. She has very big gums. Yeah. Very gummy one. And, of course, we all know and love Demon Knight. Great movie to watch in the tub. Highly Absolutely. recommend doing that. And if you just criticize fun. a single second of jada pinkett smith's performance in that movie i swear to god i'll slap the shit out you jada i love you i i would never but don't do it this at the same time okay go ahead that could have just been cameron diaz Ah! (laughs) keep cameron diaz's name out your fucking mouth okay all right my man so back in 2015 yes or as i like to call it 2015 oh my favorite uh, year back in 2015 robert eggers hey. came up with the idea to remake a hundred year old vampire movie in nosferatu it Hell turns yeah. out nosferatu it's finally the gears are in motion balls rolling the spokes are greased this is fucking wait. happening balls are greased spokes are rolling got it you got yourself willem dafoe playing the titular count orlock oh my god uh, harry styles was supposed to be in the movie just terrible we also got that bug-eyed chick, Anya Taylor-Joy. From The Witch. No, no, no. No, no, no. The Vitch. Yeah, The Vitch. The Vitch. She was good in that. Oh, she was awesome in that. I love that scene where she gets naked. 
I just have one question, though. Yeah, I might have an answer. If Willem Dafoe is going to play the titular Count uh, Orlock. Yes. How are they going to disguise his confusingly huge penis? It's not a bad question, Bert. I believe that's been an <laughs> issue on set in the past for him. He's in a Disney movie now, man. So. Oh, my God. A I lot think, of CGI's uh, got to go into that one. You make me sick. Leave me alone. Please. No, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? What are you talking about? Well, you know, his famous role in Antichrist. Oh, when he got his nuts smashed. Lars von Trier actually went on record in an interview saying that they had to use a smaller prosthetic penis for that scene because what? Willem Dafoe's actual junk is so gargantuan that it didn't look real on film. So you think they came for the abnormally sized men? Yeah? This is a fact? Willem Big old Dick Defoe <laughs> has such a cartoonishly large member <laughs> that they had to use a smaller prosthetic so that it didn't look fake. I'm an expert in abnormally sized dicks when they shot. Oh Andy my god, they treated him like Robin in yeah. the old Batman series. Exactly, they had to reduce Holy it shit. so it wouldn't be distracting. <laughs> So uh, I just assume every movie set he's on that there's a specific CGI and or effects budget set aside <laughs> to making his penis look real on film. I've never thought that I would hear the sentence, Willem Dafoe's cartoonishly large penis. <laughs> well, like, I, I never thought I would live to hear that. That's great. As long as you didn't hear it said in a... Uh, Disney producer's office. It's fine. Back on this uh, Nosferatu shit. Okay. Harry Styles was set to play in Nosferatu, Robert Eggers' version. He stepped away due to his scheduling conflict. Oh. Was it music related? I don't know. What's his fucking song? This Too Shall Pass or something like that? You don't know you're beautiful if only you saw what... Wait a minute, that's One Direction. Turns out I don't know Harry Styles. That's good. That was a test. Oh. And you kind of passed. Okay, cool. You don't know. No, you failed. You sang One Direction. Oh, no singing, by the way, fuckface. Stupid fucker! Oh, God. What, what do I win? <laughs> do I win Willem Dafoe's footlong and a footlong bun? No, no. You lost. We oh. all lost. Oh. Okay. Turns out when you sing One Direction, everyone loses. How is that even fair? One Direction brought joy to everybody back in 2011. Yeah, but there's no singing on this show. I don't know if you forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Julian. No hey, uh, since we're no talking singing. about Willem Dafoe and his obnoxious uh, hog. His baseball uh, bat boner. Like a baby holding an apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a python trying to swallow an apricot. <laughs> Apricot. <laughs> no wonder why he always smiles so big. Oh! Well, yeah, since we're talking about that, hey, man, guess what? The Northman, which is also Robert Eggers' Viking revenge film. Hell yeah. Is rated R. Good. They're basically the pirates of the North, right? Yeah, but we like we, we knew it was going to be rated R, but apparently it's rated R for an obnoxious amount of gore, violence, and <laughs> Willem Dafoe's giant boner. Yeah, it turned out it wasn't in the budget to CGI that out. <laughs> Looks like a tube sock full of golf balls. Looks like a bag of potatoes. Looks like a five-gallon tub of Silly Putty being pulled at by a six-year-old. <laughs> I don't know if that even makes sense. <laughs> if you take the penis of Willem Dafoe up next to the fat...
of Meryl Streep. Oh my god! I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. This is like when an irresistible force meets an immovable object, except <laughs> in this case, it's just one giant log being thrust into a cavernous orifice. <laughs> I I mean yeah sure. I feel bad comparing Meryl Streep's push to Mariana's trench, but Allegedly. I calls it like I sees it. I've heard it's large. That thing is smooth as silk because, as we all know, grass does not grow in a busy street, my friend. Oh, it's just barren like a dry desert. Soaking up rain. Ready for Willem Dafoe's <laughs> fleshy anteater to just swoop in there and Suck up all that. Oh, um, Willem. I wonder what he's uh, doing right now. <laughs> Tucking his dick into his sock. Probably crippling a groupie. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sets them up with medical devices so they can actually <laughs> take the elevator and go home. What a, um, what a large dick dynamo that man is. Also, he was uh, great in the lighthouse. Bless him. Yeah. Oh, great in the lighthouse. Everyone yeah. was great in the lighthouse. I, I know you're going to be really excited about this news here, buddy. Okay. And honestly, because it's coming out on HBO Max, I will watch it. There okay. is an It prequel titled Welcome to Dairy. Oh, all right. Is that about a, uh, about a milk farm? This is D-E-R-R-Y. This is about Pennywise the Clown. We all know Pennywise has history in this town, a very long history, which is very spooky, dark, and oh, oh God, who knows what happens. So it's not about filling metallic buckets by... Uh probing some throbbing teats for their liquid that's what dairy is right okay go ahead <laughs> uh you know what actually that's it oh well that sounds like it could have some potential i mean i'm a big fan of the shows that come out on hbo max we'll we'll keep you guys posted as shit starts actually like rolling with this right now it's just in development and we all know about shit being in development it may not happen it may happen it may be next year it may be five years from now look at robert eggers trying to get this fucking nosferatu movie it's taken that fucker almost 10 years you know what he needs is the uh the superpowered financial backing of a large dick man like willem dafoe or the egg-shaped penis of harvey weinstein that oh. guy had a lot of money and he made every one of Quentin Tarantino's wildest dreams come true. Big fan of the dairy farm, that one. So is this um, it prequel? Like, how how far in the past is it set? There is no word on that yet. So it's going to be different uh, kids, different characters, the same old clown. We don't know. Yeah, okay. we don't know if Bill Skarsgård is going to sign on to reprise the role of Pennywise. You know, it'd be fantastic. If it doesn't happen. Well, ideally, that would be, I mean, we all know I'm not a huge fan of these It remakes, but I would love to see Daniel Day-Lewis play that role. He would bring it to the table. If only he could pull the five-pound bag of Legos out of his anus and make it into the audition. It turns out Rollins love clowns, Greg. So we were talking about Bill Skarsgård playing the role of Pennywise. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of 1994's The Crow. Oh, of course. I know you're a huge fan of Ed Furlong playing as the crow. I know it can't rain all the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. So Bill Skarsgård is actually set to play the role of Eric fucking Draven in the crow remake. All right. How's Furlong feel about this? Furlong is currently on suicide watch at the moment, but I'm sure he'll get over it just like most things in life. I'm assuming he was so not contacted. In an insane world, 
It was the same as choice. No, I'm guessing they want him far the fuck away from this movie. There's no fit but what we make for ourselves. The new approach to the reboot will also have Rupert Sanders on as director. Sanders directed Snow White and the Huntsman and okay. Ghost in the Shell. So chances are this movie's really going to suck. Yeah, that's not exactly promising. No, 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 totally not, totally not. Did you read the 80s graphic novel by James O'Barr? I did not. Uh, it's good. It, it's, it, the graphic novel's really good. Of course, 94 Crow is good, but I'm not one of those weird goth adults that has to like go back and like talk about the Crow all the time. I was never the Crow for Halloween. You know, the 94 movie was good when I was, uh, you know, 11. Honestly, it yes, doesn't really yeah. hold up all that well. And I know also, a lot of people out there are it, screaming it, it into their fucking uh, speakers right now saying, Greg, Craig, you're the worst goth adult ever. Well, yeah, maybe I am. But have you watched that movie recently? Suddenly, I heard a tap as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. It's a little rough. It's a little cringy. No, it, 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 it's so hard. The pacing is weird. It's incredibly cringy. You heard me rapping, right? I preach the word, that's my gig, and I rhyme better than Notorious Big. Yeah. That does not mean that it isn't worth watching, because the man who plays Top Dollar fucking Top dollar. kills it. Yes. That's because Jesus Christ is my name. He makes it Top all dollar. worthwhile. I think he's the real hero of that film, actually. If you watch it in a different context, different light, check it out from a, you know a new angle, and just treat it like Top Dollars, your guy, instead of, uh, you know little uh, white-faced, leather-clad Eric Draven, the rock star, and uh, you might get a whole uh, different thing out of it. I sure do. I mean, maybe? Well, I wrote this song for the Christian youth. I want to teach kids the Christian truth. Oh, this is already boring the shit out of me. So reboots are really hard to make, Greg, as we all know. That's um, and also, uh, but a good reboot. How about that? How about this? How about we get fucking a faded on this mission? <gasps> Can you think of a better man for the job? I mean, I love it already. Who out there has the power to make a petition to get this other asshole off the bill and sign up my man, a Fede Alvarez? To reboot the crow. I would be on board with that. I am actually 100% behind this because if there's one thing I know about Fede, he is so fucking good at making a soft reboot, a requill, whatever you want to call it. Knocks it out of the park every time. I've never heard anyone dispute that. I don't think it's even up for question. Every single person in every single theater who has seen a Fede Alvarez reboot of all the major franchises that he's touched over the years... A fade. They've all loved it, right? Yes, yes. That's absolutely. what I'm hearing. Everybody That's what I've been loves. Told. There isn't a single soul out there that does not like 2013 Evil Dead. Everybody likes Don't Breathe. He's like Ray Romano. Everybody loves a fade. How do you feel about Bill Skarsgård playing dear, dear. as uh, uh, Eric Draven? I think he's talented. I think he's a qualified actor. I mean, he can't be worse than Ed Furlong, honestly. Yeah, so, that's very true. I mean, realistically, you could cast mostly anybody in that role, and it's going to be an improvement from uh, the last Crow movie that I watched. I think a lot more goes into the directing than the acting in a movie like that. Like, the character of the Crow 
in my opinion, I know probably most of the fans don't really agree with this, and I have to admit I'm not the biggest Crow fan in the world, but I would think that character is better if he stays more or less silent. When he talks, when he quotes the Crow, when he tries to sound all deep and badass and uh, 90s pessimistic. My whole life is a dark room. Goth adult. One big dark room. You know, writing his poetry, playing his guitar, all that kind of nonsense. I don't know. I would like to see Skarsgård play that one uh, with very little lines and mostly like emoting with like the face and the body. The issue is, as the graphic novel was written 20 years after the loss of Jim Morrison, mm-hmm. and the character, the crow, is based on Jim Morrison. Okay. With that in mind, I'm kind of surprised they didn't call it the lizard. Lizards don't fly. But they do apparently pledge allegiance to a monarchy because Jim Morrison was their king. <laughs> I think that's why it didn't work. I- they could include a subplot where he has to battle Iggy Pop. That already happened. I'm bringing it all together, man. The Lizard King versus the Iguana. See what I'm doing here? I see what you're doing, but I mean. Maybe get a raptor angles. in there. T-Rex. You know what? Like Can it. we just do another Jurassic Park? Eric Draven was like a rock star, right? Yeah, I'm sure. If we're going to modernize it, what if Eric Draven is like a SoundCloud rapper? What if he's the dude from Nickelback? You're missing my bit here. <laughs> Well, yeah, he'd have a bunch of tattoos on his face. He'd have a name that has like a dollar sign and a number in it. Instead of Eric Draven, that's pretty weak. You could call him like Lil ED. Lil Corvid 19. I kind of like that. ST Draven. That's actually not bad. The STD Raven. STD Raven. ST Draven. Okay. Yeah, but like, 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 could you imagine that? Like he could have like tapered jeans instead of leather pants he could he could have like those big white jordans whatever well you know the fucked up thing is he'd probably just dress like he was from the 90s anyway so he'd have a fucking bowl cut he'd be wearing the jenko jeans i don't think those are around anymore dude no that shit's all coming back man have you seen fucking oliver tree dude only girls are wearing like the big baggy pants now now guys are wearing tight ass jeans i'm pretty sure he was played by daniel day lewis in his music videos it's that like gen z extreme irony you know, it's super so, cringy, but he's playing it like it's cool. I think you're cool. Do you remember, like, maybe, like, like 10, 15 years ago, our generation, we were trying to, like, do these 80s parties and stuff like that, yeah. and everybody was dressing in, like, a bunch of neon? Dude, that never happened. And so I feel like all these kids now, like, this fucking Gen Z coming out, trying to, like, grasp hold of the 90s culture. Well, they don't really get it. They're seeing it through the lens of media, you know? So all they see is, like, the glorified exaggerated parts of it yeah yeah dude um i mean in the late 90s for me i was wearing leather pants because i was shopping at gadzooks is that like hot topic combined with shenanigans shenanigans kind of (laughs) that's what it sounds like (laughs) it's like if you walk into a gadzooks you're gonna walk out looking like an extra from blade like whether you want to or not they shoot you with some kind of like clown cannon and you just you turn into a you turn into the crow kind of Okay, yeah. I can yeah. picture that. Yeah, dude. Well, since we're talking about these SoundCloud rappers, do you know who Raptor Gnu is? More like R.I.P.ter Gnu. Well, it turned out that the rapper had a... Well, he didn't have it. His family or friends or whatever, they put it on because he's dead. His audience. Uh, 
his audience sure they had like a funeral party thing for him at a nightclub yeah and it turned out that his corpse was actually on display standing up all decked out in his gear holding a cell phone he's got a hat on and they had to label him so people wouldn't confuse him with michael jackson because in death he was very very white <laughs> thank you I'll be here. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing from that man that's shit yeah, how did he sound? Dead. Oh. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, but you could see a video of a crowd just, like, all hanging out around this dead corpse. They could literally just put a fucking mixing board in front of this guy, hit the play button, and it would look like he's performing anyway, right? They could do the Home Alone thing where <laughs> someone's laying on the floor with ropes on his arms. <laughs> There's a bunch of fucking inflatable clowns and fucking blow-up dolls everywhere just dancing around. You want to fucking marionette him? I mean, why not? They're halfway there already. I Technically, yeah. They were playing his music. They should have had someone come up there, put like a finger underneath his bottom lip and start going. (laughs) (laughs) They're two seconds away from just putting their fist in his ass and treating him like a fucking ventriloquist dummy. (laughs) I mean, who are these people? Like, what kind of morbid shit is this where you just throw a corpse on stage? I mean, I guess it's a celebration of his life, but... Why didn't somebody book Jeff Dunham for this? Was this stipulated in his last will and testament or anything? Or, like, did they just I do don't it? think he knew. His, see, I'm almost 40, and I don't have, a, like, a will. No. Um, But, no, Greg, I don't think he knew he was going to get shot and murdered and, and all that. So, I, I don't know. I don't that know. That was like, my the, next the record, question. Yeah. He was killed? Oh, yeah, he was killed. In some sort of street beef? Uh, It was a robbery. Oh. Hey, Greg, you know who's pretty man's game? Badass and all around an awesome dude. Willem Dafoe. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Okay. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to star in a new horror movie because apparently that's his jam now. Sure. Uh, This movie is called Felix. The cat? Oh, shit. No. Oh. Charlie and his best friend Jimmy are making a movie with dreams of becoming Hollywood directors. It's going to be a lot of pedophilia. When Charlie's dad finds an old ventriloquist doll named Felix among his late mother's belongings, Charlie and Jimmy <laughs> was, immediately cast Felix. He was propped up on stage while they were playing a fucking turntable <laughs> in front of them. <laughs> Charlie and Jimmy immediately cast Felix as the creepy antagonist in their movie. Through a chain of increasingly sinister and disturbing events, the family discovers that Felix has a mind of his own and it's up to charlie and jimmy to rid their family of this ominous force they've awoken it's literally child's play and goosebumps and annabelle mixed together yeah like, night of the dummy been... and to a lesser extent night of the nubbing too night of the nubbing too nubby 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 oh actually this has been described as super eight meets child's play Eight and a half meets Child's Play. Just like Jeffrey Jones. Did someone say Child's Play? My name is Jeffrey Jones. (laughs) He's got a whole van full of kids. Did you check out the trailer for Titanic 666? Did I? It looks incredible. It looks so good. I can't wait to see this movie. I mean, it looks like a lot of fun, man. I feel like this is a kind of a untapped potential here. We could be doing all kinds of shit with the Titanic when it comes to the horror genre. Yeah. I mean, Ghost Ship was fantastic, right? So you you can merge that into something with the fucking greatest ship of all time, 
Why not some demonic possession? Why not Evil Dead on a doomed vessel? So the movie is supposed to follow the Titanic 3, because as we know, the Titanic 2 is already out in waters right now, having a great time. Yeah, the first one, uh, not so much. Well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. Titanic 3, well, Titanic 666, but they're on the Titanic 3, and the, the one of the things about it is that there's a bunch of relics from the first titanic that you could like walk through like a little museum whatever sure turns out one of them is a cursed object you know you know how it goes is it is it a little uh, creepy ventriloquist dummy yeah named slappy is it an urban gentleman propped up on stage while the <laughs> soundtrack plays <laughs> an audience pretends that it's not super fucking awkward i mean you have the tupac hologram why not take it one step further and just put a dead guy on stage why don't we just dig up mummified tupac just whip him around make him do the fucking nay nay dude oh. that was 95 he's bones now he's just bones it's gonna be like army of darkness oh god well greg one of my favorite streaming services is tubi and finally after all this time tubi is making their own original movies starting april 15th Pay your taxes. All praise to Tubi. See Titanic 666. I'm super stoked about this. Fuck you, Fossum. Fossum is anything but. You dirty, dirty piece of shit network. Yeah, fuck that. We live in Tubi town. Hey, man. Actually, Fede Alvarez tweeted the original ending to the 2013 Evil Dead. Fede. Sorry, what we all know and saw in theaters was Mia walking off into the sunrise. Yes. This version is the same ending as the original. Oh. It's the door swinging open, the the back of the house. Yeah, that shot we all love. Door, boom, 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 boom. And it's Mia turning and screaming. Beautiful. And honestly, because we never got a sequel to that, I would have preferred if that was the, uh, if that was it. It's a great ending. That's the type of thing you'd love to see thrown on like a special edition DVD, bonus features, alternate ending. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great to me. I can understand why they might not have, or why they, why they didn't use it in the actual theatrical cut. Because, you know, Fede wasn't trying to completely duplicate the original. He was doing his own thing. But uh, as a tribute, you know, as a uh, an homage to one of the greatest horror films of all time, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd watch it. You can if you go on Fede's Twitter and check it out. It's right there. Everybody, yeah. go check out Fede. Follow him. Comment. Tell him he's great. Tell him you love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre like I know you all did. And uh, let's see if we can get him to do uh, a remake of Evil Dead 2 at some point in the future. Oh, that would be fantastic. Um, Fade-a-tastic. Well, Greg, that's all I have for the news this week. Uh, There was a lot to cover considering that we took a week off. Because we were partying up, eating mushrooms, walking through purgatory casinos. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground there. But before we move on, I got a little game to play with you. It's it's thematic to our March of the Penguins month, which continues on and on and on into eternity. And I like to call this Greg's Deals with the <laughs> Devil. I am about to present to you several possible scenarios, possible deals that you might make with the Dark Underlord. And I would like to know what your answer would be, how you would react. To these very specific offers. Well, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, well, that makes it sound like I have a lot of them. There's really only a few, but all right, <laughs> here we go. You ready? Yeah. Um, so imagine you're hanging out 
you know, just jerking off, doing whatever you do, sitting in a hot tub, watching movies with your buddy, trying not to make uh, skin on skin contact, but it's not really <laughs> successful. <laughs> no. um, when all of a sudden the devil pops up right before you, fire and brimstone, he arrives and he tells you, I've got an offer for you, my friend. Question. Yes. Is this Vigo Mortensen? Is this the devil from South Park? Is it Robert De Niro? Is it the guy from uh, The Big Lebowski? Like, what, what version of the devil we got here? I'm thinking uh, Gilbert Gottfried painted red. And they're fucking and sucking for like five hours. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you can picture I'm... that. And shit and piss and cum and pimple pus. It's great on TV, but in person, probably already annoyed. The father starts fucking his son. He's really fucking obnoxious. So, uh, yeah. And he stinks. Oh, yeah, Gilbert Godfrey has a smell. He's got to, right? The son is eating his mother's cunt. So here's the first offer from our red musky friend. And the dog is pissing on him. It's a little bit of a quid pro quo, so to speak. What he has to offer you is... Your favorite pet can talk to you in whatever language you prefer. For us, it would probably be modern English. Yeah, probably. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? Like you, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to talk to Yoshi. Yes. Um, I'd love to have a conversation with him. I'm sure he would, too. However, there's a catch. Okay. He can talk, or she, but he's super into Jesus, and he won't shut up about it. Ugh. Do you take that deal or no? No. I mean, he says no, other things, too. Like, like, what, though? Like, the thing is, though, is with Jesus people, it always segues to Jesus. You might have a couple of great heart-to-heart convos with him. I'm going to be you like, know, hey, what are you doing? Making Kool-Aid? Yeah, I'm making Kool-Aid. You know who else made Kool-Aid? Jesus. Or you're like, hey, buddy, you know, we're hiking down this trail. This is amazing. What a beautiful day. And he's like, it is such a wonderful day that uh, God gave us today. And you're like, God, give it a fucking He's rest, pointing man. at the mountains like, look what Jesus did. <laughs> Creation. Wait, does that make Yoshi one of those, like, would he be, like, one of those, like, annoying, like, soft-spoken Jesus people? Or one of those, like, hellfire and brimstone, like, you're gonna burn, boy, if you ain't turned to the Lord. Well, I think that entirely depends on your uh, your specific pet's personality. Is he normally an <sighs> asshole? He's like one of those smart assholes. Okay, so yeah, imagine that, but converted to a human being who talks about his lord and savior all the fucking time. Well, he's barking the rest of his life. So that's a big no from you, yeah. That's a big no for me, dude. Honestly, I'd have to say no, too, because I don't want to deal with that shit. You give me a little meow every once in a while, you acknowledge the fact that I fed you, we're perfectly fine. I don't want you trying to convert me to your cause. So, our next proposition. Now, the dog starts this one's a little bit more of a uh, straightforward kind of thing, and I and I think both of our answers might be the same here. Yeah. You get to punch any celebrity as hard as you can anywhere you choose. But each time you do, it takes a year off your life. Oh, do you do fuck. it? And you can do this as many times as you want. Yes, I would absolutely do it, and I would do it so much that I would probably die the next day. I'm talking about Jared Leto. <laughs> Um, I oh, would yeah. beat Jared Leto the way Edward Norton beat his face in Fight Club, only it won't be special effects. It would be real. Give him a reason to have that damage tattoo across his stupid forehead. Oh, yes. 
Except if yeah, it was me, I don't think I'd be hitting him in the head, man. Straight for punch, the cock. I'd punch him in the face enough that he, he wouldn't be recognizable. I would turn him into hamburger meat. I'd probably punch him in the gut until he just started throwing up. You know what? It's I sound really angry and hateful right now. But yeah, it turns out I really do hate Jared Leto that much. Right, let's bring it around to something a little bit more comical. How okay. about we just grab 1985 Corey Feldman and we just punch him back and forth like that scene from the end of Rick and Morty. <laughs> We're just beating everybody up with all their roided out muscles. Don't you think Corey Feldman had enough to deal with in 1985? I thought he was addicted Is, to cocaine. Yeah, isn't that when he was like having slumber parties with Michael Jackson? It might make him a little tough to wrangle. Yeah, awfully slippery. He wasn't exactly receiving fists from all angles, is what you're saying, at the old Neverland Ranch. <laughs> or maybe he was. How about Machine Gun Kelly? He's not even worth it. I kind of was. I, I want to just give him a Charlie horse over and over again. Yeah, that wouldn't take anything off your life. You know what? I'm sticking to it. Just Jared Leto turned him yeah. into hamburger meat. All right, so we're in agreement. We both definitely do it. And we probably totally. abuse it so much that we're not going to make it out of our 40s. No. All right, beautiful. I think most of our audience can agree. Uh, that's a pretty good deal, Mr. Totally. Gilbert Gottfried, Satan, who is now my best friend. <laughs> now the dog takes a tremendous shit on the floor. All right, so we got one last one here. Old Gilbert Beelzebub comes up to you in his, his, his stinky little hot tub. And at this point, he's, he's leaving a ring just like we did, except it's way blacker and way fucking grosser. Fungus growing on the water. So here's the next proposition. You get to live for 500 years. You get the power of invisibility, and you can fly. But it turns out hell is real, and you are definitely going there when you die. Do you take it? Yeah, sure. Why not? You think? Yeah. I mean, that's an eternity of suffering. Pineapples <laughs> in the butt, just like Hitler. Hey, hey, hey. You know what you do? Hey, we mentioned Hitler. That's It's been a while. It's been, been a while. <laughs> You flip it. Huh? You flip it. When you get to hell, don't act like you're getting tortured. Act like you're loving it. I might have a hard time with that. Nah. Can you nah, do that? You gotta, yeah, you gotta get, really, gotta get really into it. Hide those tears. All right. So if that's the case, if we're actually taking this deal, I suppose we can make quite a good time out of 500 years of uh, both flight and invisibility, right? I mean, I'm going to fly to the moon and save Will. Oh, all right. That's a noble effort. Yep. Bring him right back. I don't know Bring how fast back. you can fly, though. You might you might want to talk to Gilbert about that, if there's, like, a speed uh, limitation or something. Cause it takes 500 years to get to the moon. You're going to be flying through space for some time. Uh, Will might be a little bit of a popsicle by the time you get back. <laughs> That's an interesting act you have there. What do you call yourself? And they say, damn, that's scary. All right. Well, Greg, I enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of fun, right? kind of fun you know why that happened because i didn't why? learn anything new this week <laughs> <laughs> you had two weeks two I, weeks two weeks well you were there i drank them all away yeah yeah we killed a lot of brain cells also if you are in nevada and particularly the reno area hmm? and you're shroomed out of your mind and you're walking downtown there's a giant may... samurai outside of the sands casino a giant demon samurai yeah and he's got the face of gilbert godfried and he will offer you a deal if you know the right password which if you but listen uh, to the end of this episode we're gonna give you for free but unlike gilbert he's 30 feet tall and doesn't smell oh 
All right, I think it's time to apologize, Greg. Oh, this again. Okay. Uh, I, uh, first and foremost, uh, oh, 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 I, I feel... Hold on. You didn't even give Matt a chance this time. Sorry, Matt. All right. Here we go. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry, Matt. Sorry. I've done this before, but I have to do it again. I want to apologize to the fans for not having an episode last week. Oh. Greg and I were together in person for the first time since November. It was emotional. We decided to not do any work. Sexual. And just have a good time. I want to apologize to what we did to the hot tub. Oh, yeah, me too. I should probably, uh, I should probably agree with you on that one. And uh, one last thing. I want to apologize to a one Kanye West. I peed in the hot tub. I know. Oh, yeah, you tasted the water too, huh? I let it happen. I got a lot of that in my mouth. I want to apologize to Kanye. Okay. Yeezy. Yeezus. Uh, Yeezus. Yay. All right. You, uh, you, uh, now, we mentioned on our last episode that you would make a fine president. Mm -hmm. uh, I still believe that. We said some other disparaging remarks about you, and, um, yeah, they're true, actually. Yeah, you're kind of a terrible person. Oh, so you're Team Skeet, is what you're saying. Skeet? Skeet Davidson? I, I don't, no, I'm not. I hate all of them. I mean, I got nothing specifically against Pete Davidson, but I wouldn't, um, wouldn't vote for him for president. I hate the fact that he shoved down my throat every time I look at my phone. Same thing with Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. I have never not cared so much about a relationship in my life, but I know every fucking detail about them, and I hate it so much. I'm going to throw this um, out here, and I'm not going to elaborate on it at all, and please don't ask me any further questions. just want to get it on record. Pete Davidson looks like Ned Bighead from Rocco's Modern Life. That is all. And he's not funny. But uh, I, I, but I want to I wanna apologize to Kanye, my dad, and to the fans. <sighs> Do I feel better? Okay. On a similar note, I'm going to apologize to a celebrity this week. As it turns out, that's what we do now. We make fun of people who uh, are much more talented and connected than we are. And then we say sorry about it. It's all because it's, it's jealousy, really. Is what it comes down to. It, 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 at the end of the day, yeah. We're yeah. poor. So... I guess what I'm getting at is Ben Stiller. I think we all heard last week's episode. Next episode. I made you sound like a ball-licking, racially insensitive kid toucher. And <laughs> the way I edited your clips from Zoolander was just kind of wrong. Shouldn't have done that. In spite of certain claims that you've made, on video, no less, there's really no way you lick your own balls. It's just not possible. It is literally impossible for you to do that. So... I've tried it. <sighs> yeah, we all have. I'm sorry that I made you look bad on what was easily our best episode last episode. But you're still going to really suck playing Jack Torrance in The Shining. The play. The play. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that. Also, anyone who's interested in seeing Ben Stiller play uh, the lead role in The Shining, go for it. But it's going to suck. Thank you. Good. Hey, before we get into uh, our movie of the week, 
and continue with our theme of March of the Penguins, even though it's April. That's right. Oh, last year in April, we did almost porn. April, we decided against that this year. We really pushed the envelope here at DTS, but uh, instead, we're going to push nuns down your throat. <laughs> but before we get into that, I would like to uh, point out that this episode of Damn That Scary is brought to you by Imbai Candy Cigarettes Lager. A fine lager that takes lager. 10 months. A fine lager aged 10 months in rum barrels, making a delicious flavor that runs about $15 for one can of beer. Awesome. I'm drinking a silver bullet out of an old tin can that used to have baked beans in it. But it's carbonated, right? No, not anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, Greg, that's piss. Oh, why is my life like this? I've been a mess ever since I left Reno. You gotta come back, man. Definitely. We're also going to bring uh, bring Will from the moon. Yes, definitely. We have to bring Will from the moon. We've got top men out there searching for him right now. So this week, without further ado, we're going to bring you the other hell. hell. Also known as La Ultro Inferno. It's 1981 Italian horror film written and directed by Bruno Mattei. Now this was Greg's pick. I've never seen this movie before. Well, me neither. And, Greg, I got to tell you, uh, this film was very jalo. A little Will Smith action in there? A little slip slap? Nope, and I'll get to that. Well, Bruno Mattai is also known as the Italian Ed Wood. Is he? I've heard. I thought he was known as the Italian Argento because this movie is straight up a ripoff of Inferno. Isn't Argento also Italian? That was the joke, you fucking So back, back in like the 70s, there was this brief period of time where there were about three to four uh, Italian exploitation films dedicated just to nuns, yes. uh, involving nuns. This was considered nunsploitation films. Absolutely. Uh, they were produced elsewhere, like in like the United States, United Kingdom, Japan, Spain, shit like that. Mm -hmm. But the main concentration of this style came from Italy, Italy. which was the Giallo films. You know, later on they were dubbed nunsploitation. They didn't actually have that fucking name for it back then. But these movies, they often combined like you know nudity, sexual subject matter, and uh, you know horror and gore and shit. And the devil, Satan, you know? Satan, 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 like all the good shit. Hail Satan! Yes, yes. But like uh, this one particular, the other hell, which is really fun about this. The movie started filming uh, in October of '79. Now there are two names in the credits. For this movie that like directed it really okay. this movie is my it, it, I, am i pronouncing it wrong is it matei 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 i don't fucking know matei okay bruno bruno matei bruno matei whatever Let's call him bruno. Uh, a bruno my name is bruno i make a love with my boots on italian style oh with extra grease love it oh so What's fun about this is, is that there's two names on this. Bruno and Claudio Fergrasso. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Now, Claudio actually did write the screenplay for this, but he didn't fucking direct it, even though his name is on the billing as, like, co-directed with Bruno. The story behind this is, is that the same exact time, Bruno Mattei, Mattei, whatever, he is directing this movie with the actors that we saw from Other Hell. While this is going on, Claudio Fagrasso 
is also directing a movie called The Story of the Nun of Monza. Sorry, The True Story of the Nun of Monza. Now, this is also a non-sploitation horror giallo film, literally being filmed at the same fucking time, at the same fucking location, with the same fucking actors, Greg. Holy shit. They used the same production equipment. Did Bruno uh, Matai discover the multiverse? Basically. Now, is this a Spider-Man thing? But what we was really, really excited about this were the producers because they got two movies for the price of one. These actors, they got paid for one movie even though they did two movies. So the scenes were like this. You had uh, the same nuns, the same priests. They are literally dressed in the same shit in this other movie. Same location, same everything. So they would film one scene. They would go, oh, God, okay, that's a good day. We like it. We got to flip the script to the, the, the true story of the Nun of Abanza. Get in uh, a quick uh, spagoot before I have to get to the next set. I have a, some spagoot and some wine. Uh, we love tennis. We love the wine. Hey, uh, Zinfandel. I, I just, I couldn't imagine, like, being an actor and having to, like, deal with that shit. And yeah. also, you're doing double duty. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's... Movies are so fucking stale because it takes hours, hours to get one scene down. So you spend hours doing one scene and then you literally jump into the next scene. I guess these actors were overworked, underpaid, but they Same were Italian. Shit. They were Italian. The laws are different. I don't know if you're an actor over there. Instead of getting molested, you get underpaid. It's like, it's give or take, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they pay you in spigoot. <laughs> too, yeah. much, too much semolina in my contract. Marcello. Well, okay, I'm done with my bullshit. I'm, of course, I'm going to pepper in more fun facts about this movie because okay. there's just something about Jalo I love so much. Even though these movies I consider to be a fucking train wreck, I just can't look away. They're just um, such a good time. And I, if I, I had to describe Jalo. La Ultra Inferno from 1981 in a sentence, I would call it, get ready for this, uh-huh. end of days... It was directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger instead of (laughs) starring him. And also, he's been addicted to quaaludes for most of his adult life. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I actually really appreciate that. That's better than mine because I think this movie is straight up a ripoff of Inferno. Pretty much is, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Without further ado... Give us our ragtag list of characters. That was super Italian of you. Starting off the cast, we've got Mother Superior. And no, her name is not Sister Clarissa, Sinister Felister, or anything like that. I'm so mad. I'm so mad that we we (laughs) ruined it this week. We're breaking the mold this time. I was intently listening to all the characters. I looked them all up individually, and I'm so mad that we didn't have a Clarissa or a Carissa or a Coolissa. Let's not speak too soon. But this is Mother Superior, who is a devoted sister, an assertive matriarch, a disciplinarian, a religious stereotype, an accuser, an abuser, and a hump-happy devil womb. Boy, is she. And she has eyes that'll pierce your soul. I think that's probably why she was cast. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's mostly the look. She's got the look. She's, She's got, got the look. look. No singing. She's got, oh, oh, oh. Mm. What that song. So next up, we have Father Sutherland. Donald. Yeah, also known as Father Valerio. 
But I'm going to go with Sutherland. He basically plays the Sutherland role in this one. He's total Sutherland. Famously lampooned in The Editor, which we all know and love. I think we covered it in uh, our best episode, which was... The Editor. Is the last time we were in this goddamn gondola full of sauce and noodles? Maybe August of 2020? That sounds about right. Yeah, listen back through our catalog. They're all fucking good. You'll be all right. Father Sutherland is a young, handsome priest, a philosopher, a practical investigator, a talented detective, and a little bit of a cunty know-it-all. Uh, very sciencey. Mm, yes. A little more he's science one of, than pious. Yeah, he's one of those priests. A modern priest. Ooh. A Scientologist. Did you know Jesus was a scientist? You know, my cat keeps telling me that, and I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. So then we have Padre Pio. Are you a Pio guy? I'm a Pio guy. All right, cool. He is a mustachioed Italian priest. He is inquisitive. He is a confident exorcist, and he is cautious but brave. More importantly, his body is made of lighter fluid and dry tinder. A real Gabriel Burns. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. Yeah, it's definitely a spoiler. I don't give a fuck. Moving on, we have Sister Rosaria. A philandering nun. A stigmata sufferer. A corporeal teleporter. A demon host. A filthy... (laughs) And a hysterical bleeder. Yeah, I was really confused by the stigmata thing, but we'll get into that when it comes. You know... I could also be wrong about what her name was or what role she played because a lot of these nuns kind of blended together in this movie. And they weren't real clear about some of the names. They were all Clarissa. So, moving on from the nuns, let's get to one Anthony Hopkins. Thank you! Right? Thank you! Yes! He is the stupid, useless gardener. He's a dog keeper, a chicken fucker, (laughs) a sperm donor, a stunt cock, a sex object, and a big old can of dog food. And he is totally useless to this plot. Most importantly, he looks like famous thespian Anthony Hopkins. He looks like Anthony Hopkins when he played as Van Helsing. Next up, we have Sister Vegetable, <coughs> who is a gray-haired catatonic nun who lost her shit while exploring the catacombs. She is also a satanic sleeper agent, and an ineffective killer. Yeah, she doesn't really do much. But she does have gray hair, and that might be her most defining feature. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now we have the character that we've all been waiting for. I think especially you, but especially me, but especially you. It is Clarissa. What? Who is the unholy spawn of Satan, the demon child, the Antichrist? a walking abortion, a habitual stab wound receiver, and a resurrector of the dead. Her name was Clarissa? No, I think it was actually Elisa, but I am calling her Clarissa because this movie needed a Clarissa. All right, fair enough. Can we just go with it? Can you do that for me? Can you just do that I will. I will do that for you, Greg. Okay, thank you. Thank God. We can't have a nun film without a Clarissa. I'm just filling the void. The Gad, if you will. I like Gadzooks. I'm a Gadzooks guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hot Topic plus shenanigans. Yeah, I've heard of that. So then we have Sister Asunta. A little bit of a minor role, but she is the sinful nun who got possessed or something and died really early. 
she probably lived in sin and lusted for phalluses like all the other minor nuns, but they do mention her a, a couple of times, so I had to put her on the list. Last, but certainly not least, we have Mr. Sprinkles. You named him Mr. Sprinkles? I kept calling him Biscuits. <laughs> That's just as good, man. He yeah. is a big, fluffy cat, a demonic hellspawn, and an all-around good boy. So without further ado, let's get into the other hell. Ultra Inferno. Yeah, Ultra Inferno. Right off the bat, we get into a crypt covered in skulls, skeletons, bones, all that cool shit. And you have a nun, a sexy nun. The score of this movie is very familiar for our friends that have watched other Jalo movies and have followed such films as Suspiria. Yes, I'm talking about Goblin. For me, the highlight of this film is the score. One thing I've always known about you is that you love a good goblin. You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. I'm a big, big fan of Goblin. I had an opportunity to see Goblin live. I didn't go. You've also been known to mention Hobgoblin every now and again. Hey, man, I'll hob your goblin any day of the week. To a lesser um, extent, knob goblin. <laughs> little slobber knobbin. <laughs> so we have a nun searching a skull-filled catacomb for Sister Asunta. All she's got is a flashlight, so all she can see is a bunch of skulls and uh, some dusty floors full of bones. And she only finds what appears to be a red-eyed mummy. Greg Craig. She's a nun. She's not allowed to have a flashlight. You confuse that with a candle. Stupid fucker! Oh, was it a candle? Yeah, because they're always praying, and you have to, when you say prayer, you have to have a candle lit. Oh, yeah, my cat keeps telling me that, too. Yeah, but after we see the red-eyed mummy, uh, which I, I guess is a, we'll find out later on, is in fact the devil, which is very confusing. But who we, is the devil? We'll also find out. Yeah, what? it's Satan. It's a devil. Yeah, we know, yeah, we know yeah it it's kind of it's kind of it. The Dark Lord, Savior, uh, Gilbert Godfrey. You fool! So she eventually stumbles upon a Frankenstein lab where she is scolded by yet another nun who says that Asunta is not here. She's in her cell. Which isn't true. Nope. These two nuns discuss embalming the body of another disgraced sister who is laying on a slab, and they make a very important point that her vagina is the root of all evil. And what do we do with the root of all evil, Greg? We stab we it! stab it! Ah, because it's the Multiple domain times. of the devil. The vagina is apparently the door to hell, the gateway to evil, the, the be-all, end-all of sin. And I couldn't agree more because my penis is pure and just full of happy thoughts. The lips of the Leviathan. <laughs> So they say that she fucked so much that she got pregnant with a goat demon, which they had no choice but to abort to save humanity. Yes, an abortion. An abortion. And we immediately get the impression that this convent has been compromised by horniness. They're all afflicted by the sex madness. Just like space madness, only it's the fuck madness. It's an uh, addiction to dick. So uh, so after Mother Superior stabbing this poor nun's vagina multiple times, mind you, these are the only tits we see in the movie is dead nun tits. Yeah, it's not that great. That is literally the only tittery we have. So if you're watching this movie along with us, 
Enjoy it while you can, my boy. Might as well tune out right now. I mean, the, the tittery is over from here. You know, you want to just call this the end of the episode? I uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're okay. damn that scary. We'll uh, uh, love each other. Yeah, care for one another. Yeah, most importantly, keep it. Keep <laughs> it. All right. So after she stabs her vagina multiple times, which is a real fun gag, she turns her attention oh, to like the other nun. The red-eyed mummy demon hypnotizes one of the nuns into stabbing the shit out of the other one. And I'm already kind of lost. I don't really know what the fuck is going on here. No, this is so confusing at this point. So she stabs her to a point where she gets put into a coffin. It's just, it's all right off the bat, just a mess. But luckily, here comes the title screen. Followed by a bunch of nuns singing in a choir, which I don't give a fuck about because they're not naked. The entire fucking convent is singing a religious hymn. It's a banger. All the nuns are now saying grace before dinner. They are awaiting the arrival of Padre Pio. He just kind of appears in the middle of the room, and this is really kind of awkward. They're all like, oh, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And then he's just fucking there. Yeah, and it turns out he's nothing special. He's basically George Costanza showing up. He is here to banish the sex demons. He is warned immediately that the convent is doomed by some random harbinger sister. You're doomed, doomed, doomed. Because there's just too many of them to name. Yeah, and... one of the nuns has a freak out, something about, I don't know, uh, my vagina is bleeding. Eh. You're doomed. You're all doomed. And this convent is ensconced in an eternal orgy of the damned. But he seems kind of mostly okay with that. Yeah, he's really chill considering that there's like demonic fuck possessions going on i think when they tell him hey all the sisters here are kind of obsessed with sex and you're the only man on the premises aside from this other guy who's not sure really interested i feel like he'd be a little excited there yeah right he's trying to hide it but i think we all know he's got some impure intentions but this is about the time that his bible randomly ignites in flame which some of us might recognize is a bad sign. Also, he is terrible at putting this fire out, dude. Oh, yeah, he sucks. And I think, actually, it's kind of a little bit of foreshadowing. You know, this Matai masterpiece is a little more clever than it seems. Sure. Although, um, don't want to speak too soon, because this is right around the time that he has a vision of a white owl for no fucking reason. Yeah, it cuts to stock footage of a white owl flying through the sky, is that supposed to be our Lord and Savior or something? I think that's the sign of the other priest that's going to come and save the day. Well, Jeebus? Sure. Jesus? Yes. Now, Greg and I, we've had this conversation before. It always throws me off when I see the legs of an owl. This is true. Yeah, they are too long. They are obscenely long for the shape of that bird. Although, yeah. it does make perfect aerodynamic sense when you think that this thing actually has to fly. So it's probably not as bad as it appears. Yeah. But that's all fucking leg under there, and that upsets me. A lot of leg. Yeah, also, my cat says that they're the spawn of Satan, and I trust him. You know, he's been making some really good points lately. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Really kind of, really get me on board with this whole uh, Catholicism thing. Uh, does he have a pamphlet? Oh, he's got a newsletter. Good. Your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> and this is about the time 
that all the light bulbs in the room explode, proving that this penetration poltergeist really means business. I feel like that was some type of metaphor for the bulbs exploding would, would be like when you pop, like coming. Every time like a bulb pop, it was like a nun busting a nut. It does always feel like broken glass in my urethra. Is that <laughs> Oh, chlamydia. That's what the doctor keeps mentioning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is where he sees a vision of a bat humping Jesus on the crucifix in an act of extreme blasphemy that only the Italians could produce. The lighting of this movie is very dark. They should probably call it the darkening of the movie, if you ask me. <laughs> was it just me, or was Jesus on the cross wearing, like, a cowboy hat? Yeah, it's, that's why this is called the Spaghetti Western. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, also, did you notice he was uncircumcised? Come on, Greg, of course I noticed. <laughs> His penis is also wearing a hat. <laughs> Later on, he offers communion to the sisters. It seems that Sister Rosario is a sinner and starts bleeding out of her dirty whore mouth upon taking the host. That was confusing to me. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere, but I think it just sort of emphasizes the fact that these sisters are a little bit sinister when it comes to wanting the cock. But this that's the thing, though. Like, did she want to suck his cock? That's why blood started coming out of his her mouth? No, I think it's because... She, she ate the the host, the communion. The wafer. But her mouth was filthy from fellatio, so it reacted that way. But whose dick was she sucking? Padre Pio? That was never, ever, you know? No! Oh, you know who it was? It was the fucking gardener. I think they actually, they, they touch on that at some point. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. What, did she, was she having an affair with the gardener, which we'll get to in a second? It was Anthony Hopkins the whole time. Yeah, he it was, was Anthony. They'll explain this in a brief aside on a very short scene later in the film. But it turns out all of these nuns are just getting it on with the gardener. Yeah, he's fucking them all. Because he's the only man who lives here. I am all that is man. And he's also not necessarily a religious figure. No, he's a, a chicken little fucker. bit of a... And I don't think this is so subtly uh, masqueraded. A little bit of a pound. He's also keeper of the chickens. Would you say he's the cock of the walk? The keeper of the... Beautiful. So this is who sister, who gives a fuck, mouth bleeding lady, runs outside. And this is where we are greeted by the gardener, which well, is... She immediately seeks his help, which I think uh, also alludes to the fact that he may be the one who gave her this specific satanic STD. That's what this all is, isn't it? He's either stupid or blind, um, so he doesn't really seem to understand what her problem is, and she is immediately dragged back inside for a little bit of prayer time. I love his reaction to this. It's like that whole, like... Yeah, he, he totally cold shoulders her. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, bitch, I don't know. Like, hey, I was drunk when that happened. That's, uh... Yeah, this is on you now, sister. This ain't no relationship thing. Nope. Fucking Anthony Hopkins. So the sisters hold her down in an attempt to exercise the cock lust out of her filthy mouth. But she's way too far gone, and it is not working, no matter how much they chant. This scene was really weird, too. Mm -hmm. uh, you had uh, the point of view of the nun laying on the floor looking up at a gaggle of nuns and uh, Padre Pio 
chanting over and over again about the Holy Trinity. It was a weird scene. Padre Pio finds her covered in blood with stigmata marks on her hands. This was actually a really good gag. I enjoyed the effects of this where she's laying in bed and you could actually see the latex in the palm of her hand and the blood pumping out. Same thing happening to the other hand and the feet. I thought the effects were cool and it was, uh, it was one of the better scenes of the movie. Her body mysteriously disappears, leaving only the clothes on the bed covered in blood. Menstrual blood, mind you. Oh, it's gotta be, right? Yeah. The whole movie's about vaginas doing things. Irrational nuns. Yeah. Because just... they're on their period. Is this whole thing a big metaphor for menstruation? Is that what we're, uh, is that what we're talking about? Oh, dude, that's what the Italians are known for. How do you think <clears throat> they make that sauce? Oh, ah, the marinara. Mama I'll me. never enjoy a spagoot again. Yeah, bet. That's not true. I fucking love it. Bringing some extra bloody the way I like it. Her gross, bloody, stigmata, desiccated body falls into the room. It's a big surprise. Everybody's like, what the fuck? There she is. And she is dead forever. Forever. She's gone. Padre Pio discusses exorcism in the philosophy of good versus evil with Father Valerio. Father Valerio isn't having this. It turns out he's a little bit too practical for Padre Pio's old school religiosity. He's one of those new cool priests that well, believes in science. A, he's got a little bit of the old philosophical dichotomy on his side where he says, yes. you know what? Evil has to exist because we know that God exists. And if there's some good, got to be some evil to balance it out, my man. And he sounds like a little bit of a new age hippie when he's doing all this. You know, it's a classic case of old versus new, good versus evil, drives home the whole point. This is the whole new generation of priests. But he's the guy that we need on the scene to investigate and find out whether or not this is actual a supernatural force turning all of our sweet, sweet sisters into gigantic sluts or if it is just the work of mortal Lust-filled man. I'm more animal than man. What are you, my dad? Stay tuned. We'll find out, right? Bum, bum, bum. Padre Pio questions Valerio's resolve and says that faith is your number one priority, not practicality. Mind you, that scene takes forever to get to his fucking point. Yeah, it's really annoying. Just like the way I prolonged it in the last uh, minute or so. It's this nonstop scene of like, no, the one weapon you need is one weapon that man has had for ages. And it just goes on and on His and on. His wang. And finally, he just says, faith. Yep. Okay, come on. We all know that's what you were getting at, Padre Pio. Greg, Jalo movies could seriously be 35 fucking minutes if you cut out all the bullshit oh yeah they suffer from a severe deficit of solid pacing why did we have that owl that owl was like two minutes of the movie we didn't need oh it was a metaphor for the uh coming of one jesus christ <laughs> heralded by the arrival of father valencio valerio completely pulled that out of my ass i don't think that's actually true you might you might be right I it was think... a random stock footage owl i think um mr matai just kind of thought it looked cool i just think the italians are really artsy fartsy sometimes more fartsy than artsy this ain't exactly the renaissance my friend oh! so this is where father valerio gets chased by a giant dog 
and like a jackass, he falls over and just kind of submits to this Cujo-esque beast. You know what? A regular Brinks Stevens over here. He's ready to take it. Luckily, he's helped out by Mr. Anthony Hopkins, who says, careful, you dumbass. These dogs are kind of big and also vicious. They got the scent, and they're ready to dominate. That's kind of what he says. You know, paraphrased, but pretty much what he was getting at. I think what we're supposed to take from this, we're supposed to assume that um, Hopkins is a little bit of a antagonist at this point. You don't really know his true nature just yet. He seems like a nice guy at first. Well, he basically tells Valeria to watch his ass. You watch your ass. And drives this point home by chopping the head off of a chicken right the fuck in front of him. I've been feeding this hen for months. Now it's her turn. For that, he's talking about how he hates people because people talk. Animals, they'll keep your secrets. Probably the secret is he's fucking all these nuns in the, the hen house. Well, I hope he's fucking the nuns in the hen house because the only other alternative is he's banging out those dogs and those chickens. He might be fucking those hens in the nun house. He might be fucking those hens in the dog house. He might be masturbating in the dog kennel is what we're getting at. Yeah, And he really appreciates the fact that these dogs can't speak English. And they absolutely are not trying to convert him to Christianity like my (laughs) Fucking cat. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the sisters are in the courtyard burning all of their shit because they think that it's demons that are making them uncomfortably horny. This scene's fun because it's, it's an aerial view looking down at a gaggle of nuns frantically running and burning their furniture. Mm hmm bags whatever the fuck else they have and there's like a low rumble of all the nuns like (laughs) which made me laugh i enjoyed it because it's like what are they fucking saying it's very reminiscent of march of the penguins honestly yeah just a little bit of a theme for us here at uh you know the old bts headquarters this month yes sir so valerio tells mother superior that he needs to investigate without interference he's like stay out of my way you old bitch but she tells him to calm the fuck down and just have faith it's all demons it's all satan if you are a pious individual like my friend padre pio over here you got nothing to worry about yeah he doesn't believe her he wanders into a room where he sees a sneering gray-haired weirdo fucked up nun she's been like that for some time now since she's been in the crypt This is Sister Vegetable, but we're not exactly going to introduce her just yet. Naturally, he just kind of closes the door on her face and tries to forget that he saw anything. I mean, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she looks bad. Like, She looks the bad kind of horny. Yeah, but she's still horny. That is correct. Like the old woman in X. She's just kind of standing there doing nothing, but you know her He's just gooshing everywhere. Well, she's probably got nothing better to do sitting in that room all day, just thinking about Jesus, looking at him suspended on that cross, muscles glistening in the sun. Think about what's underneath that Brendan Fraser loincloth, huh? Oh, yeah. 
While investigating the basement, Valerio comes across a creepy mannequin hanging from the ceiling. We get a little bit of a jump scare here. He resists the urge to give it the bad touch since a cat is watching him. I love this scene because this cat is a big fat cat. And of mm -hmm. course, all Jalo movies, we have a long panning zoom in to the cat's face. Always a cat. Why do these Italians love the cat shot so much? Oh, well, they love pussy. Oh! Also, the cat is peering around a corner. And I just picture, like, a guy on the other side holding the cat so it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, just keeping just, it like, stabilized. holding it and, like, maybe, like, a, a, a mystery hand on the back of its head, like, forcing the cat to stare forward. <laughs> a hand in a black glove. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They call that the old stage hand. Ah, okay. Old Italian cinema trick. I'm the best at uh, the holding the cats in the movie. A lot of tape on that cat's feet. We tell owner that it's catnip, but really, it's a heroin. We put the, the fentanyl in his pate, and he just <laughs> sort of sits there and stares. It's uh, it's perfect. Did you say it's perfect? Like, perfect? I tried to, yeah, but I, I oh, didn't was... really pull it off. No, no. So he ends up in the skull-filled catacombs that we saw at the intro to this movie. He finds the Frankenstein lab where sisters are being embalmed and kind of gets a glimpse of a random sister. I think this might have been Mother Superior. I'm not totally sure. Not even going to mince words here. Stabbing a corpse in the vagina. Again. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. He does fuck all about this and just kind of closes the door and backs he off. He just backs away, and I think that's the smart move. That's what I would have done. I think that's what anybody would have done. Get this the fuck guy out of there. Let the cat there. worry about it. He is literally there to solve the fucking murders in this convent. He is watching a nun stab another nun repeatedly in the cooch. A little bit of a red flag. And he is like, well, nothing to see down here, and closes the fucking door. Well, you remember earlier when I said that he was a talented investigator? Yeah. I think I might have exaggerated that a little bit. <laughs> okay. Turns out he's a complete fucking real. Yeah, clearly. He's like Donnie Wahlberg in Dreamcatcher. He's like Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. He's like Ben Stiller in Tropic Thunder. He's like Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. He's like Sean Penn in I Am Sam. He's like Cuba Gooding Jr. in Radio. Giovanni Ribisi in The Other Sister. Billy yep. Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. He's like Daniel Day-Lewis on vacation at Legoland. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a great time. It's uplifting. It's, a, it's great. It's good for everybody. So now we have Mr. Hopkins spying on Padre Pio in the night. Pio follows Jesus into a room full of creepy mannequins. And he gets attacked by a psycho nun, which I think, again, is probably a mother superior, right? I don't know. This nun straight up just, like, body checks him. It's hard to tell, yeah. It's a straight up, like, hockey check. But then, like, he gets up like nothing happened. That's the thing about, like, Jalo in general, but especially this movie. It's like, you just got attacked by a fucking nun in a crypt. She flies in for the jump scare. I don't really know where she goes. And he just kind of goes about his business like it didn't happen. Kind of pushes her into, like, a garbage can, and she's like, all right, I'm, I'm finished here. I had enough of this. Yeah, so he continues on into a room with a fireplace where he meets 
the red-eyed mummy from the intro. And he asks this red-eyed mummy, who are you? And the red-eyed mummy responds with, the devil. You want to fuck with me? Which is weak as fuck if you think about it. You're a fucking choir boy compared to me. Like, not like Beelzebub, not, uh, not Belial, not Damien, not Valak. You know, not like a cool demon name. I'm just the devil. A choir boy. You idiot. Devil man. De devil man. Devil man. You are mine now. You belong to me. I am the super beast. Stop whining. So after uh, he introduces himself, he goes to shake his hand, which apparently is just a big old ball of fire. Yeah, and he gets bored. He gets bored. Padre Pio lights up like it's the fucking 4th of July. Lights up like fucking Gabriel Byrne. Lights up like so many times Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger has been set ablaze. Bored uh, by the devil! Oh no. So he's turned into a crispy critter. He's gone. He's fucking dead forever. Go and fuck yourself, And his soul Leo. goes straight to hell. Straight to hell. Because that's what happens to priests who get compromised by the devil. I think if you lose the devil in battle, you have to go to hell. That's the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's like so embarrassed. He's just like, you can't come up here. Yeah, you're done. He doesn't want anything to do with you. You're nothing you are fucked at all. for eternity. Yeah, you're just going to get the worst type of time yep. treatment ever. You're going to hell. It's pretty much like prison rules for the rest of eternity. You're going to get raped. Yep. But my advice to Padre Pio pretend you like it. Toss the salad. That too. Goes a long way. It does. Share your pudding cup, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't be greedy with your fruit cocktail when you're that's in the, the devil's jail. That's the devil's fruit cocktail now. <laughs> All right, so where are we at? After oh, this? we were talking about Padre Pio getting raped <laughs> for eternity in hell. Valerio wakes up from a nightmare and reviews his recordings, which oh. reveal a voice asking him to go to the chapel to hear a sexy confession. Yeah, and he listens to this off of an Evil Dead recorder. A voice on the other side of the booth tells him she wants to suck his dick. Yep. But instead, she just tries to stab him through the screen, and uh, he's a little too quick for it. I think he's in trouble. Instead about to fall for the old... Uh, receive some head and get stabbed in the penis trick this guy if he can't take a joke he stinks but his response to getting stabbed is to leave the confessional booth and walk up to all the nuns that are on the choir stare at them go back to the confessional booth to see the knife sticking out of it this whole scene is way too long he gives mother superior the old uh, larry david kind of stare down and look over oh well well yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I've been on the end of that. Okay. And all these fucking nuns, they're just singing together. They don't really miss a beat. They see him walking in here and acting all weird, but they just kind of keep on keeping on. They've got a fucking him to finish. Yeah, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. These nuns are rocking the fuck out. A <laughs> true Jersey native. See, let me tell you something. I grew up with that smell. In Italy. They never heard of soap, these fucking people, right? I, I I don't know what they are. So eventually Mother Superior decides that she's had enough of his bullshit and just says, I'm going to straight up introduce you to Sister Vegetable. Yep. Who you might recognize as 
the catatonic gray-haired nun that he accidentally walked in on earlier in this movie. She's just sitting there on the bed. He doesn't really get a whole lot of uh, information out of her. Mother Superior kind of looks at him. He looks at her. They wonder what the hell we're doing here. And once again, they slowly close the door and pretend that Miss Vegetable is just kind of not there. Yeah, they do not give a fuck about her. I really don't totally understand why she's even in this movie. (laughs) Well, we'll get to that. So we jump to, I guess, like the next day or the next afternoon, or maybe it's only a few hours later. Who fucking knows? It could be right after this. It could be next week. I don't know. Valerio is doing his actual job as a priest instead of just investigating uh, satanic sex. When he discovers that in an act of extreme blasphemy, someone has stuffed a decapitated head into the tabernacle. The tabernacle. The crispy decapitated head of Padre Pio, mind you. Yeah, I really just wanted to use the word tabernacle. I think it's kind of fun to say things like that. It is a real fun name to say. How often do you really get to say tabernacle? All right, so what's really crazy about this is is there's been multiple murders at this this convent, and now a priest has been scorched and decapitated and his head shoved in the whole tabernacle. The tabernacle. Uh, I, I think at this point of the movie, we learn that the police have not been informed of these murders. Yeah, at no point has there been any police presence on this convent where apparently dozens upon dozens of people have died. But I mean, I understand like the church, they like to cover up pedophilia, but I don't think they've ever had a problem covering up murder. Well, Valerio is... uh. He's not exactly affiliated with the cops, but he is kind of like a private investigator, I guess. I, okay. Does the Catholic Church have, like, a specific division of, like, internal affairs? They have, like, an X-Files division where they deal with, like, demon aliens. You get caught uh, touching have... a kid. You get transported to another town kind of thing. Yeah, shit like that. Like, they have, like, relocators. So, at this point, Valerio just kind of goes full ham on the entire convent he's throwing sisters out of their rooms he's tearing everything up he's flipping beds he's knocking over uh armoires he's just looking for clues anywhere he can this burnt head has set him off and he just needs to find something anything to let him know who is the cause of these murders he's leaving no stone unturned i like a good armoire mother superior tries to stop him he's not having any of her shit He says that she's out of her jurisdiction, and this is all his fucking game now. I'm going to fucking get to the bottom of this, and uh, you're not going to stop me. So he goes to her office, where he finds a very poorly hidden scroll of paper that depicts what I can only call a crayon drawing of a nun standing before a burning cauldron? Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Like, why does she have this just sitting on her desk? I think this drawing was was an illustration on how to make baby soup. I guess you don't need a whole lot of directions if the only steps are boil some water, put a baby in it. No! Yeah, so why not just draw it? Yeah, there's a lot of flames coming out of that pot, though. So I'm wondering if that's actually water. Because I think you got to flash boil the baby. I think that's how you got to do it. Oh, God! 475 degrees Fahrenheit. Yep. You think they used the English system in Italy? Was Mussolini around at this point? 
Well, this was 1981. Modern day, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Mussolini was absolutely around. Ah, so lose it. Ah. Father Valerio is in his office, in his chamber, and I feel like they had to explain this part of the movie. And in order to do that, he had to talk out loud. So to get him to talk out loud, it's him recording himself. He's got to dump some exposition. He thinks that the whole cause of everything, the main clue to everything is right here in this very crude, naive almost, drawing of two nuns making baby soup. No! Look at his hand. Yeah, it was kind of scissoring over the burning cauldron. Get your hand off your penis! So naturally, he confronts Sister Vegetable goes through her closet, ruins all of her things, destroys her fucking room right in front of her, and eventually finds a secret tile on the floor. I just love it. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out his crucifix, almost like he's opening up a can of fucking paint. And what does it have to reveal? He finds a ball of pubes. Yeah, big old clump of Demi Moore's bish. Bish. Jalo style. But before the blood can even rush to his penis, he is bored from behind by Sister Vegetable. Yeah, Sister Broccoli wraps the, those rosary beads around his neck, starts strangling him, and then also gives him a, uh, a, a very, very limp chokehold. Yeah, it doesn't last for too long. She eventually just kind of expires. Like, I think her heart gets out or some I think shit. She just dies. And he survives. It turns out he's a little bit of a surprise, but he's really no more worse for wear. I think at this point we should mention that there is another nun running around the convent with a white cloth over her face that was watching this from the outside of the room. Hopkins is outside trying to figure out why his dogs are losing their goddamn minds. Turns out it's because of biscuits. Yeah, Mr. Sprinkles. He shows up, hisses at those fucking canines, and kind of gets fucked up. A pack of dogs descend upon him, as they tend to do, and literally skin him alive. In typical Jalo fashion, we're led to believe that maybe this cat possessed the soul of a nun, or this cat had more to do with this movie, but no, it turned out it's just a cat. I thought maybe it was like the devil or like the personification of the devil or something. Okay, but... that too, that too. Uh, yeah, but no, it turned out it's just a regular cat whose uh, one weakness is uh, dog teeth. Yeah, it yeah. turns out that just kind of fucks up everything. Sadly, R.I.P., this is the end of the line for little Mr. Sprinkles. But little Mr. Sprinkles somehow turns into a fistful of maggots. Anthony Hopkins picks up the uh, skinless corpse. And decides just to be a dick. I'm going to feed this body to the dogs after they already ruined it. But when yep. he looks down, his hand is covered in maggots. But he doesn't have a whole lot of time to think about that because he immediately gets bored by his own boars? Hounds! No! Yeah. He gets his throat ripped out. Turns out he didn't do fucking anything either. Painted all this god stuff made me want to puke. You kind of that think maybe also... he's got something to do with the rest of the plot. Maybe he's got some point. Maybe he's going to rescue somebody. Maybe he's going to be like, you know, the guy who swoops in at the very end and does something. Nope. He's fucked. Fuck it. No, no, no. Just like, uh, just like that movie Inferno, 
where you have all these special characters that you think are more to the plot. Turns out they're just assholes. Man, he just gets bored. Yep. Good night, sweet prince. I'll see you in hell. Goodbye, yellow brick road. At this point, Valerio seems to have figured everything out. All he needed was a crayon drawing of a witch and her fire pot. He has a vision of Mother Superior having her unholy devil child taken from her and thrown into a pot of boiling water by who I can only assume is the previous Mother Superior. I'd say so. Gotta be right. It's an older nun. Mm -hmm. But she is very anti-baby. Totally anti-baby because apparently that is the spawn of Satan. We find out that uh, Mother Superior kind of had sex with the devil. I don't know how you end up in that arrangement. I don't know how that proposition comes across to you. But when the devil came to her, he came in her. And she kept it because, I don't know, she's just kind of cool like that he came up from hell and came a mortal woman so after the vision we actually have a knock at the door father valerio gets up and boom speak of the devil mother superior satan is this guy she retrieves the little bastard from the boiling pot of water and he hypnotizes the offending nun into strangling herself to death and it turns out mother superior is now the new Mother Superior once the old Mother Superior has killed herself. Yes, Satan! Valerio confronts the current Mother Superior, who is now totally fucked up, and she admits that she was the one who fucked the devil to produce a daughter. Satan is his father, and his name is Asshole. Like he didn't know already from his odd, uncanny vision. Yes, Satan has- And as she's talking about getting dicked down by Satan himself, she dicks him down with a knife. Oh my god, she goes into way too much detail about their unholy copulation. His power is stronger than stronger. He came longer than longer. And uh, yeah, she drives her point home by penetrating him with a knife. And she gets all Hellraiser about it, talking about pain and pleasure. Oh, we have uh, such knives to show you. So he uh, he collapses as this is going on. She claims that her daughter is, in fact, the Antichrist. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. She lives in the mannequin room in the basement. Her name is Clarissa. She's in love with a man. Oh, wait, are you trying to tell me that in the confessional booth, when uh, that one nun was like, boy, I really want to suck your dick, I kind of love you, Mm -hmm. that this is the daughter of Satan? Turns out the daughter of Satan really has a taste for penis. Hail, penis! Like, priest penis, too. That's the purest kind. Mm, That explains it. It's like veal. All mushy in your mouth. (laughs) Clarissa enters the room just in time to explain it all, and in true devilish dramatic fashion declares her love for valerio and reveals her burnt up phantom of the opera face so it turns out she could bring the dead back to life she Mm -hmm. caused nuns to go crazy and want to fuck the gardener make her mom go crazy stabbing vaginas left and right but she can't Mm -hmm. fix her fucking face nope 
she tells Valerio that Mother Superior has been the real problem all along and keeps her captive in the uh, basement mannequin room in the catacombs because she's the daughter of the devil. And I feel like they've mentioned this like six fucking times already. Like they keep repeating, my daughter is the devil. I had sex with Satan and I pumped out this little baby. And then in 18 years, it grew up to be this thing. And now it wants to fuck you, Valerio. And he's just sitting there like, hey, when do we get to the sex? Come on now. Hey, come on. When do we get to the sex? Valerio says, I just want to make out with that little kid over there. Oh. And even though he's bleeding heavily from half a dozen stab wounds from Mother Superior, she bore stabs Clarissa at least another hundred times in the back. Clarissa came in like a big house of shit. White light, a blinding white light. White there heat. was wind, there was lightning going off. I think doves flew in at one point. You think Prince was walking into the fucking room. Or at least Usher. She like force throws... Like, Star Wars Force throws her mom into the bed, keeping her there. But then she's distracted by Priestcock, and somehow that breaks the the hold. She's very selective about how she uses her devil powers. Yeah, it's very weird. Your spider senses were going to tingle that your mom was about to stab you multiple times in the back, treat you like a pincushion? She didn't see it coming, but it did just piss her off. You're really starting to piss me off! All the sisters gather around as Clarissa basically just goes full on Akira and bores everyone in the convent straight to hell. She raises the dead. She fucks with her mother. She pisses off Valerio. Nobody can trust her ever again. And I think she just kind of explodes into a giant burning white light of satanic energy. That sounds right to me. Who fucking cares? This is the end of the movie. Is it though? <laughs> the movie ends with a fucking another priest that we've never seen before and another nun we've never seen before in the crypt. And they're talking about it. This whole thing was done by alchemy. Holy uh, and that, shit. This prologue is way too long. Oh, and it's way too fucking long. And it's like the dialogue wraps the movie up. But then you get one last jump scare with like a uh, there's like an earthquake yeah. and a nun popping out a, a, like a like an undead nun popping out of a coffin and then the movie ends. Greg, this is one of the most confusing Jala movies I've ever seen in my life. And if I may go as far as to say that you may could have been prevented, all of this could have been fixed just if it went along the same tropes of every other Jalo movie we've covered every Jalo movie we've seen and loved and that there is not one scene of a man slapping some fucking sense into a hysterical woman thank you why father valerio did not raise his pimp hand once to slap any of these nuns fixing the fucking issue right away if anyone i feel like it would have been uh, anthony hopkins to be laying down the old pimp hand I'm sure he did it off screen. This is the first time seeing this movie. I'm glad I saw it. I do have such a soft spot for Jalo films. Of course. I, I love them. They're fun to make fun of. Multibaby. Mamma um, But like, this movie was so fucking convoluted and confusing. The okay. ending was so stupid that they needed that like ending uh, monologue scene wrapping the movie up. It almost felt like they shot that uh, like at a different time and location just to like add minutes to the plot and kind of like explain everything. 
I'm giving this two out of five scaries. One set of boobs and it was dead none boobs. I really, really like when I read the description before watching it and watching the trailer before watching it, I thought we were going to have some hot none on none action, a lot of tittery, a lot of boobage. We didn't get any of that. Unfortunately, uh, there was a severe lack of tittery in this film. I'm not okay with that. The whole plot was that there are horny nuns possessed by a sex devil. Sometimes you can love a person very much, but still know that they aren't right for you. It's like, it's 1996, and you're going to see the movie Striptease and Demi Moore's Only Naked Once. You don't even have respect for me! Jesus Christ, don't remind me of that We didn't pay taxes then, Greg. It was great. Greg and I left a lot out because we were just kind of bored with this one, I guess. Some of the characters did get bored, which is always awesome. They never explain who that the red-eyed mummy is. I, I guess it's the devil, but nothing I comes think, of it. I think that was Clarissa. Why'd she kill? Why'd she kill the priest when she didn't want to? I, I don't. I don't understand. Because she's the devil, but man. She's her mom bad. made her do it. She's evil. The whole thing is justified by, hey, there's a devil in our basement. It's haunting our nunnery. That's the whole fucking plot. You know what? This movie kind of sucks. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. No tittery. No real gore to speak of. I guess there was one scene where they're kind of removing some guts from a corpse, but it was like very fake looking. It was a, it was um, a womb. It, yeah. They were, they were pulling the pussy out. There's a lot of nuns freaking out. There's a lot of Father Valencio investigating things. But, I mean, to be honest, he's no Donald Sutherland. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's weak. Bruno Mattei, Matteo, Matteo, Ultra Inferno. Might be my least favorite giallo film to date, I have to say, because really, it doesn't have any of the major hallmarks. It doesn't have the lighting. There's a couple scenes where there's red and green lights. A couple. That's it. Eh, it's not very prominent. You do have Goblin playing through the whole thing, which is nice. You love a good Goblin. I've said that for years. This might be one of the worst Jalo films I've ever seen. Um, five out of five? Solid. Yeah. Very, very deserving. So with that said, what are you thinking for next week, my man? I'm thinking we do another classic. Okay. Recently, we've been doing a lot of movies in the 2000s. I think we should go a little more classic again. Something to uh, cleanse our palate from this bullshit. Maybe even like a find a franchise and do a sequel of it. How about something Let's with get... some uh, some nuns in it? Yeah, how about some boobs? Yeah, some big old booby nuns. That'll Aww. really make me feel better about uh, this debacle. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so it sounds like you got something very specific in mind. Possibly. I think uh, you'll just have to tune in next week to another episode of Damn That Scary. Oh, son of a bitch. Not this again. Well, in closing, Greg. <sighs> Love each other. Hey, care for one another. Okay, and most importantly, keep, keep it, it spooky! Damn, that's scary. Why does my pussy smell so bad? Get weird. <laughs> I left so hard I farted. You fool! I was in War of the Roses.